0: the latest episode of The Third Wheel, Herbert Smith-Freehill's podcast series on all things ESG. Today's a special episode. We have taken the wheel from usual hosts Mel Debenham and Tim Start to celebrate International Women's Day. I'm Nerida Jessup and my co-host today is Natalie Gaspar. We're both partners in Herbert Smith-Freehill's employment, industrial relations and safety practice. Welcome, Nat. Ah, uh, Hi, Nerida. So good to join you on this.
1: You too. And. Thanks um, and happy International Women's Day to you and to all our listeners. So, well, International Women's Day, it's a day recognised all around the world. It's on the 8th of March and it's designed to celebrate the social, economic, cultural and the political achievements of women. But importantly, the day also marks a call to action for accelerating women's equality. And so, to be honest, the happy in my happy Women's Day is tempered, by a sense of realism that we've still got some way to go. Um, You know, we're employment lawyers, so it's worth giving a nod to the genesis of the day. So International Women's Day was first born out of a labour movement at the turn of the 20th century in North America and across Europe. And so over the last 12 months, we've seen some really great and remarkable change in legal reform in our country, participation, equality, and that's translated to things such as an extension of paid family and domestic violence leave, expanded rights to access paid parental leave, Strengthened equal pay laws, bolstered right for flexibility in the workplace, extended discrimination protections and stronger laws, particularly with respect to the discrimination um, and eradication of sexual harassment in our workplaces. So all good stuff and movement in the right direction, right? But uh, again, not to be too pessimistic, but the Sex Discrimination Act has been law in this country for literally decades. Um, So I guess there's a little bit of frustration that the goal seems uh, so difficult to achieve, but on we march. So look, since those early days, International Women's Day has grown in prominence and reach. It, it is a day of central point for action to build support for women's rights and their full participation in the economy, um, more broadly in the community, in politics and everyday life, which, drumroll, brings me to our very special guest for today, Nerida. So we're joined by Jacqueline Butin. um Jacqueline is an excellent human and also the executive director of the Stella Prize. She's got over 15 years experience in the cultural sector with a focus on performing arts and literary events. She was previously senior producer for talks and ideas at the Sydney Opera House, where she oversaw its two annual festivals, All About Women and Antidote. And prior to all that, Jackie spent four years as the general manager of the Wheeler Centre for Books, Writing and Ideas, which is a fabulous space here in um, my hometown of Melbourne, leading its business strategies and event operations. She's also held senior management positions with Arena Theatre Company, Back to Back Theatre and Circus Oz, and served on the boards of Express Media and SYN Media. Welcome, Jack. Thank you so much for
2: having me. It's lovely Uh-oh. to be talking. It's
1: a real delight.
0: Welcome, Jack. It's so good to meet you. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me in that today. This is a real treat for us. Um, many of our listeners may be familiar with the Stella Prize, a publishing award for women. Shall we start maybe with a bit of an overview of Stella and then perhaps? If you can speak to the special connection to International Women's Day and the founding of STELLA.
1: Mm -hmm. STELLA is a small,
2: for-purpose literary organisation. Our remit and our purpose is to promote gender equality and cultural change through Australian literature. And so our flagship programme is the STELLA prize, which is an annual award uh, worth $60,000 that is awarded to uh, a book by an Australian woman or non-binary writer published in the last 12 months. Alongside that, we run a number of uh, additional programs that are about supporting authors and writers to write, uh, and then to get those books into the hands of eager readers. Uh, And we we also undertake some research projects as well to really understand what's happening in terms of gender bias um, in the literary sector. And you're right. Now we have a special connection to International Women's Day. Stella is still a fairly young organisation. So, uh, in 2012, there was a panel conversation at a local bookstore here in on International Women's Day that essentially dug into the issues of, lack of representation for women in the Australian literary sector. And the panelists were really talking about are women winning prizes um, to the male counterparts? Are women uh, receiving book reviews at the same levels as male writers? Uh, And are books by women being taught in our English classes in secondary schools in Australia, Um, which unsurprisingly the answer to that one was mostly no. And so that kind of assessment of the industry by a group of women working in the industry is what formed the kind of impetus for Stella
1: it's, it's funny to hear you say that Stella's only, you, can, you can't hear me, see me listeners, but I'm doing the only in inverted commas because it has just had such, it seems to me as, a, as an author to have such a profound impact so quickly. It feels like it has been around for such a long time. And Jacqueline, you and I met just the other day at an event that we hosted at Herbert Smith Free Hills in conjunction with Stella and one of your fabulous uh, former winners of that prize, Professor Claire Wright OAM. Um, and what struck me amongst other things, so um, Professor Wright spoke about you know, the importance of activism in continued sort of fight for female equality, the danger of silence and having young people not see statues of women and, as you say, listening to reading books that were written by women and, and all these sorts of things. She also spoke really fondly about Stella and the community of writers that you have created through your organisation, um, which is fantastic. So, look, in light of all the good work that Stella has been doing, do, do you see that shit? Do you do you think there has been any change in the dial as a result of your work?
2: I I do. I want to own that. I think Stella has yeah. had a significant influence in our sector. Um, and I, you know, it's it's lovely to hear people say it feels like Stella has been around for longer than that because. 10 years ago does feel like a different cultural moment. And for me, that's one of the things that came up in that conversation with um, Professor Claire Wright, Professor Claire Wright, was that um, these kind of overarching questions of the labour movement and workers' rights, women's rights and suffrage suffrage in Australia, and First Nations rights recognition and sovereignty are all part of a kind of larger narrative towards equity and justice, and Stella is a part of that. We, we have a role to play. Um, obviously, though, that is, you know, a, a, a movement that is happening across in- within the literature sector. So if I reflect on the last 10 years, particularly in, in literature and publishing in Australia, I do think it is increasingly diverse. Um, culturally diverse, not enough uh, and not to the degree that would be representative of our population more generally, but it is getting better, particularly with initiatives that are targeted um, for women, for First Nations writers, for writers from um, non-English speaking backgrounds. Those are There's a lot of activity in that space at the moment. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is um, in the kind of conversation around um, whose stories matter, not just because of the the books that are published, but the way those stories are told. And again, it's it's a very inside literature thing to say, but women and non-binary writers are often the ones who are pushing at the edges of genre, who are working between fiction and non-fiction, who are doing that kind of effort uh, at at exploding the 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 barriers and boundaries that has um, yeah contributed to what I think is a, a richer culture than we had ten years ago.
0: Um, I think it's really interesting that you talk about ten years ago, it felt like a different cultural moment in this country. And that night, we work in the employment space, so we work together delivering training uh, to organizations, to boards on I guess the new paradigm in relation to workplace conduct, sexual harassment, diversity and inclusion, these are all top of mind for corporates. And one of the the messages that you will hear Nat Nice deliver in all of those trainings is this concept of the reasonable person, which sits at the heart of a a lot of facets of the law, uh, you know, including sexual harassment, but it really just seeps through many, many concepts in the law. Well, the reasonable person now does not look like the reasonable person a decade ago. And that's wonderful, I think as lawyers we we learn about this concept at law school and and we all would have been taught it's a bit of a it can it can create a bit of a lag in terms of change in terms of law reform if you want to change the law, you actually have to change community norms you have to change social norms and that's why I think this work that you're doing is Doing that. It is actually driving cultural change. And I feel like working in the legal space and being able to deliver that message for both Nat and I as mums and as women uh, who've who've probably been at this for a while, it, it always feels really hopeful to be able to deliver that. I really I, I love that part of our job and I, I love having those discussions. So I did just want to tie in that connection between culture, the arts, and actually making change, you know. In the space um, to to make uh, women and non-binary people's lives safer and and uh, increase participation at work. So I, I think it's really a wonderful message, and I, I'm glad you raised it. One of the things I think is really wonderful about the Stella Prize is, you know, this this issue of the pay gap and and um, recognizing women's achievements in all parts of life, including economic participation. I've read that book sales for the winning author have been shown to jump by 200% and that seems really telling and I think you should be so proud of that. I'd like to think that it's changing Australian's reading habits and and perhaps that might change the understanding of voices which have traditionally been excluded. Um, I guess the question I wanted to ask you is in, in corporate and political life there's been an ongoing debate about the impact of voluntary v mandatory requirements. We see a lot of that in the kind of political debates around targets and quotas. Um, Obviously, recent law reforms, which Nat touched on, will force a shift in behaviour, but I think there's real power in uh, these these types of initiatives that encourage diversity as well. Do you have any thoughts on that debate, that that concept of, you know, should we be forcing these shifts or, or initiatives like this just as powerful?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. And I, um you know, I work for a targeted initiative and I drive targeted initiatives because experience has been without them, we're not seeing change. So uh, theoretically, I'm interested in the debate between what needs to be mandatory and what needs to be organic. Um, but, but what I've seen is Naturally, now I'm doing the air quotes. Organically, we didn't see equality in the sector, but for now, this is the way we're able to really drive that change. And to to pick up on the. The point you made about book sales and the bigger question of cultural change—we are really proud to see Stella Prize-winning authors receive significant book sales. Um, it is a for two reasons. One, it's a driver of income for authors, and authors are significantly—it's uh, really hard to make a living as an author in Australia. They do not receive enough money for the incredible creative efforts that they make. But secondly, because reading is one of the ways um, in which Australians engage with arts and cultural life. You know, it's music that leads. People listen to music and then they read. People read widely, they read different things, but it's a huge um, undertaking. The kinds of books we read matter, Uh, what those stories are saying matter. And uh, I agree with you, Nerida, it goes hand in hand, and the kind of legislative change and the the kind of hard work um, we see in terms of social cohesion and empathy books and stories have the ability to really drive it from that heart place as well so those things go hand in glove
0: it's a really great answer uh so I just wanted to pick on this apart from this old trope you know you can't judge a book by its cover but let's talk about it what are you judging these books by <laughs> Who's going to win the prize? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting very
2: tight-lipped. Um, so the first thing I should say is I don't personally judge the prize. We appoint a panel of judges each year who do that work, and they are experts in this field. They come with book um, reviewing and criticism backgrounds. They come as writers themselves, uh, and and they they work as a collective. There are five of them um, that do that work together. What I do do is give them the criteria, and that criteria for Stella is that the work needs to be excellent, original, and engaging. Those are, those are big statements, and, and there's a lot of room within those for the panel to interpret, that and, and that's deliberate um, because the Stella Prize is open to works of fiction, nonfiction, and poetry all together. What an w- excellent work of fiction versus an original of non-fiction might be is, you know, there's a lot of um, nuance in all of that. And so what we're looking for is a, a judging panel who essentially calibrate. They come to a decision about what that means together uh, and then they do the very, very hard work of selecting the 12 long list, the six shortlist and then the one winner.
0: Nat, I'm going to flip to you because I think Jack has, has answered the next question for me.
1: Um, I was just reflecting on what you were saying earlier, Jacqueline, about the importance of reading and sort of and, and cultures, people getting an insight into different cultures. And, you know, we're in a bit of an echo chamber here. To be honest, our audience uh, are... <laughs> On ESG, I think we all recognise that this is not just a nice to have, it's business critical, and it's just the, the right thing to do as well. So, um, you know, I'm just interested in your perspectives on other aspects of diversity and intersectional discrimination and all these sorts of issues. Um, wh- wh- how, how do you think that all sits, in, and with Stella in particular, I suppose?
2: Yeah, and it's a it's a good one because we're very proud of what Stella has achieved. It's it's one of the ways in which the work we do outside of the prize is really critical. We run a series of writers residencies programs. They are they are literally about buying an, an author time and space to write a book. Um, and we know from the authors that we work with that different needs in that space Mm. some have childcare concerns some people need to be working on country for their story some have research needs that take them to different places and so our work at Stella is to to say to the author tell us what you need Mm. to get and we will use all the mechanisms we have at our disposal to put you in that right environment you lead you tell us and we'll support and that's how I think you know, meaningful change happens is let the people who who know what they need drive the question. You know, drive the decision. Yeah,
1: about. Oh, it's it's um such an important point I think, and one that will hopefully resonate with um our listeners and you know wearing their business hats that they're in as well. Um, and so such amazing work that um, you and your organisation do for, for women and for literacy more generally in literature in this country. So thank you as an avid reader and as Nerida said as a mum, I've got great faith that our country is in good hands with all these initiatives. Um, got to ask, um, my book club put this one in, have you got a favourite book from over the years or are you you're not allowed to say? Is that like favourite yes. child?
2: Yeah, I don't have children, but it does feel like the favourite <laughs> question to me. Um, if if I could very quickly talk to two favourites, um, I would say uh, the 2020 Stella Prize winning book was See What You Made Me Do by Jess Hill. Um, that is an exceptional work of, of journalistic investigation or investigative journalism. and And much as we were talking about before, that that book really puts the personal and the human experience of um, domestic violence at front and center. All around that book, we have seen a movement for change in that space in Australia. And I think you know it's a per- that book is an example of a woman working right on the the key cultural issue and then seeing the change that happens around it. Um, it was also my first year as executive di- um, director when. Uh, Jess won, and it was during COVID, so it was just a, a very strange but special time. Um, then the second one I would say, of course, is the 2022 Prize winning book, um, Drop Bear by Evelyn Araluen. It's a collection of poetry and prose, um, and it does something really exceptional. It reflects on and speaks back to Australian literary canon since colonisation. It is also a text that I believe will become part of a more inclusive and representative canon for the future. So, yeah, it's it's for people who don't read poetry, I say pick it up. It's, um, it's incredibly accessible. There's a lot of humour in it. Um, but it's also it's telling important stories um, from that perspective. So, yeah, there might be those in
0: so beautiful, and uh, I think a few of my friends and family will be getting books this year. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Jack. It's so wonderful to get to have these really rich discussions, and we are grateful for you sharing your time with us. Happy International Women's Day. If we, To be quite honest, it's uh, two days post, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um the third world tradition is to leave you with an interesting fact from the world of ESG and so we will take this opportunity to direct you our listeners to the 12 books longlisted for the 2023 Stella Prize visit stella.org.au the winner i believe will be announced on 27 April mm mm-hmm. You will also find interviews with each of the authors and reviews of each book. What a wonderful way for each of us to celebrate International Women's Day by treating ourselves or someone special to a good book and support Australian women's literature. As ever, to our audience, thank you for listening and thank you so much, Jack, for your time today. It's been a real thanks. pleasure. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me.
2: In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. And visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com, for more insights relevant to your business.